0: True. All right, we ready, babe? All right, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie along with my wife, Star Petrie. Hey everybody. We are so glad that you chose to push play and join us on our podcast here today. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching us on Culture and Convictions TV. We welcome you to our table for the important conversations or uncomfortable conversations. Well, With the Petries. doesn't doesn't have to be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I'm just meddling. You'll see why <laughs> later on in this particular podcast. But we're going to talk about a lot of topics that are near and dear and, and are on, really on the table of everybody nowadays. Some of the things that have kind of popped off in the news uh, that's going on. And we we, man.
1: We're gonna talk about Biden, it's okay? Weird. We just it's getting can't getting get weird we out can't here. get around it, can't get can't get over it, can't get under it, okay? We're gonna talk about Joseph R. Biden <laughs> Jr.
0: You call the man by his whole name, okay? Because it's
1: no, it, it's just, an important conversation. I just don't. I, I want to know how many get out of jail free cards do you allot to any candidate who continues to sort of badger and pick at one particular race of people, especially when that particular race of people consistently votes.
0: That way. Predominantly. Um,
1: yeah. You would think that eventually someone would say, I, 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 know that, I know that at least one black person surrounds him, and that is Simone Sanders, who happens to be a senior advisor, that someone would tap him on the shoulder and say, just stay away from the topic altogether.
0: Just, just leave it alone. Or
1: stay strictly to my notes. Alone. Like, if it's not on the paper, <laughs> don't say it.
0: <laughs> if I don't
1: explicitly put it there for you, but does that leave even it alone. Work?
0: But does that even work? If you tell him no, you know, because he seems to be somewhat cavalier.
1: Well, he's at so, that age now that, you know, it's kind of like I am who I am. Yeah. I you know sure. what I mean? He really is. It is, is what it is. He, it is. what it is. He's like, come on, man. That's. <laughs>
0: but we are definitely going to talk about Joe Biden. We're going to talk about another gaffe, uh, another gaffe that is very, very telling about his views and perspectives about race and ex- specifically black people. We're going to jump into a lot of things that have been popping off here with all of these conversations about white privilege and white advantage and just so many different things. So we're glad you're at our table. We welcome you to the table. Please like and subscribe to this channel if you're watching us on YouTube. And please pay attention to the ticker at the bottom of the screen because it's going to show you how to follow us on all of the different audio platforms as well as social media platforms that we have. But we don't want to stop and say all that because we would be just talking and talking and talking. We want to jump right into the conversation. So Joe Biden, right? He comes out, and um, I'm just going to let him speak for himself.
2: Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. So, unlike the black community, the
0: Hispanic community is more diverse different interests, attitudes, thoughts about so many different things. Now, if this wasn't bad enough, this is coming on the heels of the Charlemagne interview. Sure. Right? Where he <laughs> infamously says, not famously says, now, but infamously says that if you're not voting Democrat, he says, then you ain't black. Mm-hmm. Right? So now both of these statements allude to this man whether you think he's all there or not mentally, this man has a tremendously monolithic perspective about black people and the black race. Okay. And so one time, it's like, oh, you know, he, he, he made a mistake, he showed his hand, yada, yada, yada. A second time, then it's, kinda, it's, it's getting hard now for blacks who are on the liberal side. <laughs> To not be getting, getting a, a little, little uncomfortable and you know squirming, a little their, bit. See, it, it, it's getting to the point now where you have to ask yourself the question: how How many times am I going to give this man an opportunity to poop in the poop in his pants? Well, you know what I mean? Over the subject of race, and I don't mean that disparagingly or, or or trying to demean him. I'm just being honest. How many times now are we going to have to live in this state of of ignoring mm-hmm. the ignorance, right? This the state of ignoring the blatant language that is obviously indicative of a perspective about blacks that is monolithic, very racist, and very much I, li- I like to call it uh, white liberal blindness, where they don't mm-hmm. even they don't even see black people, they just see a group.
1: Well, they don't they don't feel like they have to. Yeah, and and you know one of the things that we've talked about before is is this idea that that black America you know how much of of what we know about black America and the way that we vote has to do more with propaganda and less than kind of an acculturation towards that. I think I think by and large the black community has been a victim of a lot of pressure that's been applied on all sides even in you know intrinsically with other blacks who choose to wield some level of of power oh, yeah. through the black intelligentsia uh who who you know want to espouse and support democratic policies so i i think that overall i mean i really do that that black people if left alone would show a lot more diversity than <laughs> than what we have historically shown mm. but i think over you know 50 60 70 years of people playing with you, toying with you, wanting to do this for you and that for you, I think it creates this idea that we are a monolith. But I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's true. Of I really don't.
0: Not. Of course not. It's, it's not true. But don't you think, like I said, doesn't it speak to a particular blindness? That, that really, I guess in the, in, the, in the words of Ralph Ellison, that we are invisible. We're invisible to them. They don't really even see black people. Right. It's 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 a uh, what what's the statement Ellison gives? He says prefabricated Negroes are etched on sheets of paper and then superimposed upon the Negro community. And then when someone sticks their head up to the through the paper and says, watch out, Jack, there are real people under here. Mm-hmm. Everybody's shocked and indignant. And he's speaking to a particular clumping of black people together. Right. And this prefabrication in the mind of white liberals, many white liberals that they superimpose on us. Now, they're not the only ones. Some uh, other whites do it regardless of whatever side of the political ledger they fall on. Uh, whoever has that kind of racial issue will do it. Mm-hmm. But they tend to superimpose this image, this idea over black people, and they lose, this, lose sight of the humanity and individuality and the diversity within the black race. Sure. Right? Now, you couple that with what you're talking about in the black leaders, black uh, academia, Black activists who then live in a state, in my humble opinion, of cognitive dissonance where they come to us and you have these white liberals who have this prefabrication of us. And then you have black liberals and black leaders who have joined in league with white liberals and they act like they they have to actually act as though they don't see some of the racism that these white liberals express Mm -hmm. like it's real funny to me that I see, and that's why I call it cognitive dissonance, where I see this this stage and phase we're in where we're militant to stamp out every vestige of racism we can find. But when Joe Biden says this, those same black people are like, you know, like they didn't hear anything. Like he didn't say anything. Like nothing was done. So when you put these two things together, Black people are lost in the conversation because you've got this group of blacks speaking for black people, quote, unquote, they'll swear they don't. But Mm -hmm. every time you see them, they're saying something about us. They're always talking about us, but then they say they don't speak for black people. Well, remove us out of your language because you're, you are, you're attempting to anyway.
1: I think what's happening now is that there's a real tipping point because we had eight years with a, with a black president. And I think over those eight years, the question is why? Why would the black community still feel as though it was at a severe disadvantage, if, if in fact we had people in positions of of power with the ability to um, create policies to move black people forward, and if those things didn't work out, then after eight years of someone that that should have, you would have believed had some uh, amount of fidelity to African Americans um for that person not to to come through with things that were actually positive and and really you know groundbreaking was sort of disappointing i think and i think yeah. now you know on the other side of it now you're seeing white liberals and it's like well why why should any black person give that a pass yeah why why not go out and try the republican party i yeah. mean why not I mean, at this point, what
0: what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. (laughs) I have (laughs) nothing to lose. (laughs) And who said that? And so, you know, and so you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think that there is a tipping point because here's an interesting thing that has happened here, alluding to President Trump. Um, There are a lot more black people voted for President Trump than anybody wants to admit. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of black males, black men, voting for President Trump. And it speaks to, like you said, it does, it speaks to this kind of uh, white liberal fatigue that blacks have now, where we're starting, to, we're starting to wake up. Everybody's talking about being woke, but some <laughs> of this stuff isn't woke, some people are just sleepwalking. Yeah. But the real, the real awakening is in that people are starting to think through 50 years in the black community 50 years, over 50 years, of loyalty to one political party mm-hmm. because they're starting to say, wait a minute, this, this, this isn't jiving, and uh, they're starting to see the policies don't work. They're starting to see that things haven't lifted us right. in any significant manner, and, and it makes sense to me because how can you, how can you be blind to a people and make good policy for them? You can't see them.
1: Well, you don't want to and you don't no. need to. I mean at this point he doesn't need to. But the but the issue is that if you if you're campaigning from your basement, then there should be very little, <laughs> very few faux pas. I mean honestly. Yeah. You know, you're not getting off and on campaign buses. You can't say that, you know what, I just I, I took that red eye this morning. I don't even know <laughs> what city I'm in. <laughs> Things you're have been moving wall, very quickly. No. no you yeah. got dressed, you came no. downstairs to your same little setup. And you sat down and you knew these questions were coming. Yep. And that's the best that you could offer us at the time. <laughs> and I think that is what is, is, is more, you know, uh, I think worrisome for the Democratic Party because this is the guy that they're trying to, to limp across the finish line. And I think, I think what it does, though, it serves to, to show just how little – the Democratic Party thinks of the American people mm. just by That's, and large yeah. across, across the board. I'm not talking about any particular sect of people. Yeah. I'm just saying in general, people really do believe, well, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll sit down and they'll eat whatever we put before them. Mm. I mean, cause if not, so surely great, somewhere they have
0: great faith in their propaganda.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Great faith in the power of words and, and rhetoric to oh, kind of no, move people. No, no
1: doubt. I think, I think, also, the loss that, that they experienced to Donald Trump, especially with someone like Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. makes them that more, much more determined to try to make this work. Yeah. And maybe that's why they chose a candidate with so many
2: issues, because <laughs> they want
1: to prove to themselves that we did it before we can do it again. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, I don't know. And, I, you know, and issues
0: know. do abound, and uh, they're evidenced in uh, in this next clip we want to show you guys, because there are some questions now about not just racism, but just his whole overall mental acuity.
2: I'm so forward-looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know— I I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't I I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical, mental, my physical as well as my mental fitness.
1: I think we're judging it every day. And I think that's the problem. (laughs) There's this running toll of of judgment of whether or not people say, do I want him to. To be near any like big red button for any reason <laughs> Do at you any want him time? to be receiving the three a.m. I don't. I yeah. don't. I'm thinking no. I'm. I'm I mean,
0: no. you know, and this is not to this is not to poke fun at the man. This is not to say that of course you know all of us want to live a long life and and live into old age, but at some point this isn't funny anymore. Like you know, at some point it's it's not even like you said it. It's kind of insulting.
1: It does. It because, is. Because
0: because it's like at some point, guys, um, we can't keep acting like we're not seeing what we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, and we can't keep glossing over it. Uh, he makes a I mean, he has trouble getting this out at the time he's actually talking about his mental fitness. Yeah. <laughs> and so um. and so there's a real obvious loss. And it's not just that one interview, but it's several things that he's several gaps he's made that speak to a lack of mental dexterity. He is losing the mental elasticity to be able to answer questions, to be able to express himself, to be able to comment sometimes on the fly about different subject matter. And you have to ask yourself, in that state, even with some of these racial gaffes, even with some of these racial statements, Mm -hmm. when a person starts to lose that ability to truly be, you know, have that, that ambidexterity to be able to deal with things mentally, yeah, they revert back to kind of what is just to who they germane are. to who they are. Absolutely. Right? You get back to, <laughs> you, to you, brass tacks. You get back to the That's ground floor doing. of really what you're all about and really what's kind of just in you. Absolutely. And out of the abundance of the heart, as Scripture says, the mouth starts to speak. You just start spouting stuff and you start saying things. And, yeah, people can say, oh, well, he just made a mistake. Oh, it was just a – Nah." Not, not coupled with what we're seeing on the no, other side. No, you no. know, it, it seems as though this is real. This right. is real talk coming from a person who's in old age and is struggling mentally. Mm-hmm. You know
1: but I you know, here's the deal though. I, and i and I do want to say that that you know, it's not beat up on 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 Joe Biden today. but but again, we're talking about something as important as a presidential election. Come on. So you would hope that they would put forth their best candidate to debate policies and ideas, and not to hide, you know, in their basement. Because here's, as we talked about last podcast, you know, we we can't go out there and say that there's a bunch of boogeyman afoot, whether that be rioting, or coronavirus, or anything else. The expectation is that the person who's going to sit in the White House is someone who can lead America through issues and tribulation and opportunities for us to be faint of heart. And so that, to me, would mean that, that Mr. Biden would have to say, look, guys, I know I'm struggling, but I'm going to have to get out there. I'm going to have to greet the people. And it's going to have to be more than 10 or 12 people because I've seen some of these little get togethers. And I'm like, that is not a good showing. I mean, I don't care if you're doing six feet apart. That is not right. (laughs) You need (laughs) to put some more people in the box. okay? Um, So, yeah, I I just I think we need to call. Let's do this. Let's have real conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's ask the candidates to really step up to the plate. And and formulate that just, policies that, yeah. that work that at least are going to be debated. They don't have to work, obviously, but at least are going to be debated fully for the I American just think people. That's,
0: that's gonna be ugly. I just think it's gonna be really ugly. I
1: I hope so. I mean, <laughs> why else do you watch the debates except to to see a little verbal spatting and sparring, you know? Be,
0: be, because you know <laughs> the thing about President Trump is he's not gonna allow a weakness to go on. Un- exploit it <laughs> he's, no. he's not gonna sit there and let anybody make any mistake in front of him and he not capitalize off of it that's that's just who he is but then here's the thing about it people forget that uh, president trump is old not like old like that's not a bad thing but here's a man in his 70s as well he's not like some spring chicken 50s and 60s still
1: yeah but 70s is i mean you know it's a seasoned age. It does, no. doesn't have to mean that you, you know. No, no, you it, can't,
0: doesn't, it you, doesn't have to mean you know. that at all. But what I'm saying is you see the difference in these people. You see the difference oh, yeah. in their, their mental clarity, Absolutely. mental dexterity, what they can handle. Absolutely. And, uh, and, I, and I think it, because it, 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 people, and I bring that up because people are talking about, I remember when President uh, Trump was running, and they're still doing it today. They're trying to make all of these these quips and remarks about his health and mm-hmm. is he you know <laughs>
1: Remember when he brought the fast food for who was that? <laughs> He's, he brought McDonald's for those players. Yeah. It's just, oh it's oh like, yeah. yeah.
0: And everybody everybody was just they're always trying to pick and to pick at him as well. And I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to be honest, if you're gonna be logically and intellectually honest, mm-hmm. then you have to apply that across the board and you have to stop ignoring what you're seeing. Uh, from from Joe Biden and, and ignoring what you're watching in front of your very eyes because it's it's really gotten bad. It oh, really has.
1: What'll be interesting now is to see who he's going to be paired with, whether oh, yeah. or, whether or not he's going to um, find a, a a black woman VP as as he was, you know, requested by that op ed that Angela Rye and some other women put together. Um, and we talked about that a couple podcasts ago. But yeah. but it'll be an interesting thing to, to decide to to see whom who he. He decides to partner with, and then it also seems like it would be quite do you think quite awkward.
0: Going, who do you think he's going? Well, go ahead, finish what you're going to say.
1: No, no, no. I just think it'll be an awkward pairing, irrespective of whoever it is. I just I think that someone like Joe Biden, having having said some of the things, they're gonna put y'all back in chains. You mean, as a black woman, I don't know how I sit you next to run that. With that. that. And you gotta
0: sit next to. I that. I don't know how I do that. And you gotta do photo ops with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I just you gotta live with. To that. me, that's going to be awkward. Yes. Yeah. I, th-
1: I would think that has some.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's why I said earlier what I said. It's gotten to the point now where people on the left that are black are having to squirm a little. If you're honest, you're squirming because you're like, what are we going to do with this? Because mm-hmm. he has really and truly made it difficult. But but I, I, I almost cut you off there to, to ask you, who do you think he's going to choose? Like, who do you think is going to be that person? because they've kind of been, you know, cloak and dagger about it. They they've been throwing some names out there, but there's nothing that ever really truly has emerged.
1: The question is if he picks somebody, I mean, it, when he picks somebody, will it make a difference? Mm. I will it will it actually add to the ticket whether that's Kamala Harris, whether that's um you know, Susan Rice or you know, I don't know that it matters. I really yeah. don't know that it matters who he decides if that's going to mean because you still have to think about that person in a debate with someone like Mike Pence, who is very yeah. even keeled and he's going to yeah. keep it, you know, he's going to keep it right here. He's not going to do all of this up and down stuff and, and emote yeah. about his policies or his position. And I'm not trying to say that every black woman is going to emote, but but I do think that.
0: But you're right, though. You're not, not, I'm not talking about every black woman emoting, but I'm saying the liberal side has to emote. Yes. That's the thing. Yes. They have to show passion. Right. Because the facts and the arguments and the policies aren't over there. They're not on their side. Mm-mm. And so they have to. And as a matter of fact, it's a part of their game plan, right? It's a part of their game plan to be emotional, to appeal and tug at hearts and, and try to gin up emotion. So they have to do it. So it, it's not a matter of, of it being a black female or, or a black person or, or whatever. It's a matter of a, of the fact that it's a part of their playbook. It's what they've always done, mm-hmm. and so that's what you're going to see. And I think it's a recipe for disaster. Like you said, when you juxtapose that to someone who is like a Mike Pence, now President Trump will kind of get in there and joust with him, you know. But but he's not going to yeah. have to because Joe Biden, uh, I think, lacks the dexterity to be able to do it.
1: But I think Joe Biden will have at least one decent debate. I can't yeah. see him just flopping all of them. I think that you know i think he yeah. could get at least one solid debate that would make it interesting. interesting but i don't know that he could keep up just over time but then but then again you know we're talking about some very serious issues oh yeah and you know when you've got people pulling down statues and rioting and oh, yeah. throwing bricks and you know killing people just because they support different political candidates and i mean it's just it's it's a very you're going to have to say something salient that actually matters because people are living Mm -hmm. in H E double L in certain places at no fault of their own simply because they grew up there or that's where they decided to, to plant their business or plant their family. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to, I think it definitely changes because we can't just talk flowery ideas of trade and, you know, I mean, not that those things aren't important. They very much are, but, you know, right now people are talking about my pocketbook, my yes. family, my children, that my health, my safety.
0: Um, and so, who will make that argument the best for the American people? Right? You know? Oh, yeah. And, and but you know, that's one of the things that interests me as we get ready to move on. But that's one of the things that interests me about this pairing, and this is why I bring some of these things up because I think it's going to be more of a, I think it's going to be more of a contest than people may want to want to believe it will be. Because the sentiment in the country is very strongly, people want law and order. They're uh-huh. living in the midst of, of of disaster areas, cities that are just imploding uh, on themselves. But at the same time, we're also being driven by a certain wind of paranoia and irrational. And and people how- uh, and, and you know and that's that's one of the things about elections. That's why we have them because it's very easy to say, oh, he can't win. That was said in 2016, you know? That's very true. That w- it, was, it was even said about Obama in some instances back in 2008. Yeah. You know, people, we, we can all have these ideas about what can't happen, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day if people are not uh, educated on the issues and if the candidate does not get up there and do the work, of clarifying what is in the best interest of the American people and making the argument, staying out of the political theater and mm-hmm. talking to us, right? right? Things can go, uh, no pun intended, but things can go left quite quickly. <laughs> and and you don't, and, and I'm serious, yeah. and you look up and you go, oh, whoa, <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> you know, the next thing you know, everybody's scrambling yeah. because uh, there was a lost opportunity, and so people, in this particular election need to perk their ears up. They need to pull their minds out of some of this irrationality and paranoia and emotion and really start to listen, right? And and really begin to engage in civically responsibly about all of these issues. Because like you said, people are living in a lot of stuff, but at the same time with that, there is a lot of craziness. I mean, there's a lot of defund the police, Black Lives Matter, it, their approval rating is higher than, than it's ever been. There's a lot of people in these cities who are still saying things. And, and they're going to keep pushing every single thing they can. Of course. Right? And so it just behooves us to rescue our minds from the noise, to get down to the knowledge.
1: And I think, I, I think that's happening. You know, you see somebody like uh, Leo Terrell, who, you know, he's a civil rights attorney who was very pro-Democrat who all of a sudden is like, he's voting Trump and the Democratic Party has left me. Um, And he had some words about Joe Biden that we're going to play. And then we'll come back and wrap up this segment.
2: Uh, Yeah. Joe Biden is unfit to be president and Joe Biden is a racist. Joe Biden has the mindset of a plantation owner. He thinks he knows how every black person thinks, what we how we walk, what we should eat. Joe Biden doesn't understand that black people are individuals. Condoleezza Rice and Al Sharpton are different individuals. We have a different mindset. And <laughs> what the Democrats will do is they'll roll out Jim Kleinberg and you say it's okay. Jim Kleinberg doesn't speak for me or Larry or black American. No one black person speaks for black America. And CNN and MSNBC, they wouldn't cover this today. Donald Trump is absolutely right. Joe Biden insulted every black American today, and he should not be president. He is the racist. What is so amazing to me is that they're going to Put this guy out in front and say he's not. The only reason why he is getting a pass because he has a D in front of his name, not an R. Republicans are the people who believe in the colorblind society. Democrats are the ones who believe in identity and race politics.
0: Hmm.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> I think I who think that's very it? true. Yeah, I know, right? It's like. <laughs> Man, I remember watching Hannity and having him on. He, he
0: was no, always I mean, like going nowhere close to
1: never, that. Right? Ever, never, ever, never, ever. So it's it's amazing. But I, but again, it goes it goes back to how we opened the show, which is this idea that that are our, our black people, you know, truly a monolith, or or have we gotten to a place mm. in, like I said, seeing eight years of Obama and not really, you know, for a lot of black people, not feeling as though. They, it moved the ball any, for, any further for them uh, where they live. Um, and now, you know, here's Joe Biden who wants to run off the fact that I hung out with the black guy for eight years. So obviously my black card is cemented and you know that I support you because, of course, I was his VP. And I think black people are getting to the point now where it's like, you know, or, or even, for instance, the Gallup poll that came out, and I don't have it just right here in front of me, but there was a Gallup poll about policing and how a an, a good majority of, of black people said no, there should be, I, I want police in my neighborhood. And then even a, a, yeah. a, a another percentage of them said, um, no, I need to see more of them in my neighborhood. So I, I think that this idea that black people are just walking lockstep is, I, it it would be if it were so, there wouldn't be such a press mm-hmm. to try to keep black people focused on. You know, Black Lives Matter, defund yeah. police. You know, we're we're yeah. trying to give you all of the calling, the liberal calling cards to keep you guys focused on what we need to do this election. Um, and I think that's a, a testament to the fact that they feel like maybe Black people are deciding to do something different.
0: Oh, I, I believe they are moving. I believe it is. It's definitely a, a move, um, but it's it's coming with a lot of challenges. I think a lot of it is that. Maybe for the first time, uh, of course, for the first time, there are a lot of black people who voted for President Trump that maybe didn't vote Republican before. There are oh, a lot sure. of people who are, quote-unquote, calling it taking the red pill. Mm-hmm. They're they're going with uh, the Republican side and they're voting, uh, voting Trump. I think they're voting Trump sometimes more so than they're voting Republican. There's <laughs> something about Trump that <laughs> has kind of disarmed them. I think that's true. To some degree, in a weird way. As much as people true. talk about him, he is a personality that is in many ways, of course, historically, he has been on the lips of black America and everything from hip hop to television shows. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he was, he has really done that. But I think for the first time, black people are actually starting to have the courage to actually speak out about it. Sure. Right. You know, I think there were times where black people were sneaking into the ballot box to vote on the red side, but they would never bring it up in conversation. Of
1: course. Never not.
0: speak about it. Never say it. Now, Given a world full of social media, a world where everybody has a page, or a platform, a or following, or whatever, and people are starting to come out and talk about it, mm-hmm. right? And they're starting to say it, and then when someone's, you know, says it, then other people who are kind of closeted about it, they get bold and they come out as well. Sure. And uh, and so I think there's a there's more voice, and that may turn to greater voting. For President Trump in November than we've ever seen, black men have already shown that they were trending back in 2016. They were like, look, you can say what you want. But people were concerned about pocketbooks, their income. They were concerned about the economy, and people made the decision they thought was in their best interest. Mm-hmm. And and then President Trump followed that with the first three years before all of this COVID stuff. I mean, hey, yeah, things were looking great and for, I think people, for everybody.
1: I think people are still running on the economy. Yeah, I, th- I don't think that that goes away. Like I said, no. it's still my my house, my yes. the, 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 my family, the people I need to feed, clothe, and care for, and and that no, becomes right. my, my largest priority.
0: You're right, yeah. and and then now you're adding to that law and order. Oh, absolutely. You're adding to the fact, you know, the safety of my children, Pr- protection
1: of private property. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, absolutely.
0: And exactly. Absolutely. And we've seen also on top of that this the nonsense. I mean, the absolute. Let me look at the camera and say this. Nonsense of some of these governors and mayors in these cities and states. Yeah, I have. N- I mean, really? I know.
1: It's a mess. It's, re- it's a real mess.
0: It has gotten, I mean, it's as though, and most of them are liberal. Let's just be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all, are liberal strongholds in states and cities. And they have just decided, you know, we don't really care what, you know, it used to be the people tried to be somewhat clandestine about their stuff. Now things are just out in the open, blatant, obvious discrimination on religious uh, lines, sure. of churches, businesses being very, very particular and picking and choosing. I mean, this has gotten really crazy. And I'm, and I'm just hoping that these places are not so much, uh, they're, not, they're not under the sway of liberalism so much that they don't send a message in these cities and states.
1: But I think there was a church who got really smart and I I don't know if it was a church or maybe they were having a conference, but they did like a, a praise and prayer thing and they had it at the casino they're in Nevada. They were like, "Well, we'll just <laughs> we'll take this show on the road, and yeah. that way we're good. Check, check. You know yeah. what I mean? We're hey. we're, we're abiding oh, yeah, by the they, rule." The
0: and churches have been getting very creative. Absolutely. Outside on, on the street, doing it in all kind of places, and uh but it's it's really highlighted, like I said, a tremendous amount of as as it was uh, Heather McDonald said in her article, uh, a lot of government malfeasance and a lot of just government overreach and. and just abuse of power
1: but like we said this is why this is why you have to stand guard because if you give them an inch they will take a mile no doubt and while everybody was like well i i think it's fine i think we need to all get in the house because that's what you told me to do Mm -hmm. eventually it doesn't make sense because we're all at walmart together we're all at these other places together
0: we're everywhere so
1: why shut down my business my restaurant my my life for people who just think it might work. And 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 away with all these people telling me that masks are absolutely working.
0: I just don't show oh me gosh. show me the data. Uh oh. Here we go. <laughs> Next subject. Whenever just, she starts talking about these masks, it is like it's a It's just no, bothersome. I, it I, is. I look over there and it's another woman. <laughs> it but makes no,
1: no sense to go around with your face half covered i think identity i think the ability to see people for who they are is very important I mean, you to don't, your you own don't physical safety you don't
0: think it's very humane and very compassionate to put on the mask for somebody else
1: i don't even know that somebody else
0: you know you don't you don't think that the i mean you don't see it as a a a very humanitarian thing to do to just put the mask on anyway.
1: The best thing that I can do for anybody is to take care of. And you of know I'm me. poking
0: at you. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate.
1: <laughs> no, I, but I'm saying the best thing that any of us can do is to make the decision that's best for us, as long as it doesn't harm another person. But this no. idea that because you don't have a mask on, people are are you know jumping people in supermarkets and shunning them like they're they like they're lepers oh, is just it's ridiculous. And, it is. And so that's why I get on my soapbox about it because again, it's just one. It's, it was propaganda to begin with. It's still propaganda, yeah. and people are going around regurgitating it like it is absolute gospel fact <laughs> that that mask is saving lives. And I just want to know mm. where do you see that? Because there are people that I know of personally who were wearing masks who got positive oh, yeah. tests. Oh, yeah. And and I was so just I actually know, I
0: was just on social media the mo- social media the other day and saw uh, a, a dear friend of ours, some a mutual person that we know, who they even said in their post, you know, we socially distanced, we wore the mask, we did everything, you know, and still got the test and still got a positive test. And what it is is, it's hard to hear people be so. If the science is inconclusive. Then I need you to be less absolute Absolutely. in your directions. You know, that's my thing. Absolutely You can't take inconclusive evidence and then be, be so absolute about your directions and your demands and commands about what I'm supposed I to mean, do. I mean, when
1: you're telling people they shouldn't hold hands, they you know, or shake hands or Oh, it was crazy. I mean, you know, it's kinda it's like crazy. come on
0: people. It's been really crazy. But I mean,
1: we we what does Larry Elder say? We have a country to save, and we really do. I <laughs> mean, do. you know, it sounds like oh, that's we just do. that's cute. No, we really, really do. We, we really, really do. You're so right. we're gonna move on though, and we're gonna talk about this issue of white privilege because this thing, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah, but it
0: bears repeating.
1: It does because now the conversation has changed because now you you have this gentleman Emmanuel Acho who happened to be a a pro football player. He doesn't play anymore, does he? No, no. He I didn't think he was a active few years anymore. In the league, yeah. But he's got this podcast. Um, and And he has a show on YouTube, right and it's uncomfortable conversations with a black man and you know we've watched a couple of episodes, mm-hmm. and i've told you several times that I can hardly make it through the whole video and they 're not that long, but I just can't do it they're kind of tough they're 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 tough and and part of it is just because uh i 'll let you take it i don't want to get on a soapbox about it. you can just play it.
2: Welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes of Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. In the midst of all this chaos in our world, so many of y'all have reached out to me, and by y'all, I mean white people. They've reached out to me asking, how can I help? How can I join in? How can I stand with you? So I've created this for you, um, because in order to stand with us and people that look like me, you have to be educated on issues that pertain to me and fully educated so that you can feel the full level of pain so that you can have full understanding. I, I fervently believe that if the white person is your problem, only the white person can be your solution.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> first off, I like Emmanuel Acho, all right? I like the guy I always have. Uh, I remember him playing. I believe he went to, the, went to UT, University of Texas, our home state. Go Longhorns, <laughs> for what that's worth. Go Longhorns. <laughs> this from a Hurricanes fan. Oh my goodness, what's well, going on here? I'm a Texan at heart, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised. I'm a Texan. Okay? You say so that I have like to, you're trying to lay a
1: real to, foundation before you blast them. That's what it sounds like. Like you're really trying I'm, to.
0: I'm not gonna blast anybody. Okay. I'm, right. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna ask some questions. Okay. Okay. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna invite your feedback into this to temper. <laughs> My res- possible response. Now you, you're you're fine, but I like Emmanuel Acho. Always have. I have always enjoyed him, even after his career in the NFL on, on television. I just like his overall spirit. I like it, the way he presents himself and the way he, you know, he would cover the uh, sports and, and so forth and so on. So uh, I was aware of him before all of this, and then when when all of this started happening and uh, George Floyd. Died in police custody and and everybody has seen the video and hence has seen also now a lot of us the full complete body cam video as well, which is another story for another time. But now all of a sudden the subject of race hits the mainstream, right? And it is and, and race is always Bubbling beneath the surface in America, mm. even if it's not if it, if it's not centered the table, it's coming. It's right? coming. It's, it's it's never far away yeah. here in our country. And so he comes out and he starts this uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And this was his first one, right? What we just played was his first one. Yes. It has grown. It has expanded into him inviting guests on to his uh, podcast and onto his set who are predominantly are white guests, and then he had an interracial, two interracial couples that came on, famous people, uh, Rachel, who was a, a black lady who was the bachelorette, and then, of course, Lindsey Vaughn, and I believe her husband, and I forget his name, he's an athlete. P.K. Subban. Yeah, he's an athlete, or, or, or a sports figure, and um, they were on one time, Matthew McConaughey's, come on, and so it's it's crescendo now into Oprah teaming up with him, and now this uncomfortable conversation with a black man is about to become a book and is about to be put on paper. And these uncomfortable conversations are very uncomfortable in that they make some assertions about race that I think destroy our ability to come together. Sure. Because you said something earlier about it that has stuck with me and I believe it is true because if you watch any of these, The thing that you come away with is that it feels as though you could put a petition up between him and whatever white guest is coming on there. Mm -hmm. And it is no different than some type of confessional.
1: (laughs) It's like white. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned.
0: It is like he sits in a position of moral authority to hand out pardons to white people for this inescapable sin Mm -hmm. of just being white.
1: Absolutely.
0: Just, you know, they don't have to be racist because being white, you are racist. Right? That that yes. is that is the gist of it. it. It is as though the white people that come on this this particular podcast come in the door with, with their, their hands, hands up, up. They sure do. And it is a stick up using race. They sure do. And I don't see how you can antagonize and unify at the same time.
1: Well, yeah, to to even open up and say that. You know, if white people are the problem, then they have to be the solution. And here's the deal. Well, no. no,
0: he says if white people are your problem, then only white people can be the, the solution.
1: solution. Right. But the question, the the, the thing is, what? why are you ceding all of your power, all of your ability, all of your self-agency mm. to another person? Come on. I mean, at some point, it's like, no, I... I can do what it is that I determined for myself to do and artificial real anything that happens to try to come up against me is going to be something that I have to work around and over and through, but it's certainly not a permanent impediment to any place I'm trying to head. No. And so I, you know, here, here's my, here's my, my larger issue because you you have Oprah, you have Emmanuel, these are these are b- the black people who've done very well for themselves.
0: Yeah, very, very well, well, is well for themselves. Like understatement for one of them. That is correct. <laughs> like she's, she's she's yeah, a, Uber a billionaire,
1: Uber rich, right? So yeah. th- so you have two individuals who who live better than a good swath of the country, black white don't population. matter doesn't matter absolutely across the globe. Yes, and so to sit back. And to bring white people in and then, one, try to tell them all the ways in which they need to help black people. And then, two, all of the things that they have not considered that they have done to impact negatively black people, I think is tremendously unfair. And I think it also goes to this idea, and we'll talk about this in Shelby Stills' book if we get to it, um, The Content of Character, that it is, it, it is power. That people are after it is leverage sure. that people seek. Sure. And even and he talks about that in this book that you know, the pushing and pulling and, and striving for innocence, to mm. act as though now we are, absolutely the innocent party. We yeah. we've never done any, we've never been in a position to do anything to anybody. Yeah. Right automatically puts me in a position to lord over that other person who is then the sinful party. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I can sit there and I can You're act the like, priest. yeah, you absolutely. pass out the pardon. Like you are, you know, here's the things that you should do to help me.
0: And if and if it is an issue of guilt by virtue of being white, then that makes you the perpetual oppressor, the perpetual sinner, the perpetual evil. So that cements me as the perpetual victim. Absolutely. And that's my thing, and it's inherent in the language they're using. How is it that a constant appeal to people and to white people over white privilege and repenting of, (laughs) of white privilege, how does that not coincide with this concept of inferiority Absolutely. for black people. Absolutely, As though it's a zero-sum game. We can't come up till you guys come down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And it's like you say, it is, this, it is this giving up of personal responsibility, this giving up of personal agency, this, this preaching, this gospel of, of, of cemented inferiority. Absolutely. Right, As though, as though racism in America, it's all about how you conceptualize it. Is it a, a hurdle you might have to jump over? Is it a bump you might have to get over? Yeah, is it an obstacle somebody might erect in your way? Yeah, that, that could happen. But is it a terminal diagnosis right, that has no cure no. to where black people are now a forever patient? <laughs> and white people, if they repent, can be that beautiful hospice care that makes it comfortable for us until we die.
1: And even And even then... Then they are acting on, on a level of moral and ethical superiority yeah. that we still have yet to reach. You sure. see what I mean? Even if I so it if never I'm stops. the person whose who's benevolence you, you demand yeah. and have to have, then I am still the person in a position to lord over and be superior to you. And that's yeah. why the conversation makes no sense. makes no sense, because ultimately, you don't owe me anything, and vice versa. Now, now, what we do for one another, at least for us, from a faith perspective, is is based on what what my Savior directs that I do. Sure. Therefore, that that is what I do. I, I love people. I give people the benefit of the doubt. I forgive people. That's what that's what he's taught me to do. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm I'm not sitting around waiting on someone. I'm not waiting on FedEx to bring me somebody's uh, I'm sorry letter and a check to get me six months down the road no. and I'm not waiting on another white person then to give me a job because they feel as though, man, if they don't give me a job, what's, what's poor star going to do? I mean, she needs it. Exactly. You, you have to put on your superhero cape and yeah. provide the rescue. Exactly. And so it, it completely, it's not, like you said, it's not a conversation. Reconciliation has to be based on a, a measure of equality and equity yes. between the parties. Yes. And if that is not present, then they're, there's no reconciliation to be had.
0: Absolutely. Just and, not. And, it, and, and that speaks to this whole ignoramus idea that black people can't be racist. Because if we can't be racist, then we can never be equal. Absolutely. Because if equality means anything, it doesn't just mean responsibility for good, it means responsibility for bad. bad. Absolutely. It means I have access, opportunity, and capacity to commit the same wrong. Absolutely. Right? And I can be held accountable. And so there is built within this, this, in a, and, and, and like you say, <laughs> it, it is actually a conversation that caters to a racist mm-hmm. because a yes. person who truly believes in their racial superiority as they do exist in the world, they're out there, but that person then continues to be able to think of themselves as superior by genuflecting to you to allow you to come up if that's what you need from me sure (laughs) if if that's what you need so that's what it takes so there's never equality at all there is never a meeting of the eyes there's never a looking eye to eye black Mm -hmm. to white and that allows the white person who may who may be a racist that allows them to still hide in that racism behind a a genuflecting act right i did something Oh, that's wonderful. But but it still allows the person to remain a racist. And then it says to the black person, you know what, you stay in this particular cemented state to where you can never really do any of this wrong, you can never be a racist. And yet you go around and you do things like this that are blatantly racist. But when you can yeah. sit white people down and tell them <laughs> you're guilty because you're white. But the irony of it all is that,
1: you know, here he is very well off living a very good life, getting ready to release a book with Oprah. And then we're going to play a clip from Oprah in which she too is, is on this kind of your whiteness is, is, you know, your best buddy in life. Um, yeah, these are, this is the, this is the disconnect because I think for the, for the rest of the world, we don't have the convenience of being able to sit back and, and create these little non-conversations. We actually have to go into the world and function in it with people that don't look like us no because it requires it. that for my life to continue as I would like for it to continue. And so I have to go to the supermarket and I have to deal with people who don't look like me. And I, the I, I hold little life, conversation right? and I, I say, Hey, good morning. How you doing? I, those pleasantries are exchanged and I go about my business or I might meet somebody that has an attitude that morning. Is it race? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> people just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not their best hour and that's that's all it is.
0: It's it's like I said, it's really eating away at the progress that has been made along racial lines. They
1: don't want it to be. They and they don't, don't, no, want they, don't. The they don't they don't. Of course
0: they don't. Of course they don't. Because there's so many specialists out there who wouldn't have it's anything else lucrative. in the world to do. It is too lucrative a deal. <laughs> if we got rid of racism oh, and there was man. no more issues, to, there were no more cops to chase down in the street and, and accuse of racism. If there were no more businesses to shake down, people would not know what to do with themselves. But this is disastrous, and this is why it has to be talked about, and it has to be talked about and pushed back by both sides. Both white and black have to come out and say, look, this is nonsense. This is just exactly what it is. But here is here is Oprah, and, and this is her contribution to this whole thing.
1: There are white people who are not as powerful as the system of white people, the caste system that's been put in place, but they still, no matter where they are on the rung or the ladder of success, they still have their whiteness.
0: As white people, we, we even the poorest of the poor, I feel still
2: has a leg up, um, and it's- Yeah, it's and really the leg up is what head I
1: head. was saying. You still have your whiteness. That's what, the, that's what the term white privilege is. It means that whiteness still gives you an advantage no matter what.
0: Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, how does a woman of her rank, status, and file stoop? To make such a statement, I, I, it, it, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind, and maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm, I'm just a, an incurable optimist, to where I, I love people, I want to see them do well, I want to see people, but that, it, it actually takes my words. I have to actually wait, wait, and calm down a little bit, because she's talking about this white lady is on this call with her, and you can see her. Yeah, you know her hands aren't up in the physical, but
1: <laughs> But it's all in the eyes. <laughs> but,
0: but it's but but she has she is under duress. Oh, it yeah. is a stick up she and she's saying even the poorest of the poor, and she pauses, they still have a leg up. It's like,
1: oh, well now wow.
0: how is that not speaking to a permanent underclassing of blacks? How is that any I mean you absolutely how is that not telling black people that because of the pigmentation, because of the melanin in your skin, you are permanently fixed mm-hmm. in your position. Now, this is the the craziness of it all, right? Because she's saying this to a black female billionaire. hmm <laughs> I know. Now, I mean, people don't understand. Billionaire means you passed rich a long time ago. Yeah,
1: that's way back
0: there. Yeah, rich is like you can't even see rich in your rearview mirror no more. When you're a billionaire, I mean, we're we're talking about rarefied air for human beings. Sure. Right. And she's a woman of color. She's a black woman, Kosciuszko, Mississippi, black woman. And she is talking to you, a billionaire. You're on her platform. Everything about this woman has been appealing to all stripes of Americans.
1: But well, when you looked at the Oprah Winfrey Show
0: there in Harpo Studios,
1: what was the the majority of the audience members? I'm just saying.
0: When she said, "You get a car, and you, you get, get a car. car, and the book club, absolutely.
1: and this book, and that," absolutely. I mean,
2: it,
0: it, it boggles my mind that people would actually let this kind of slide. And some people did. Now, some people said some things about it. But for the most part, (laughs) you're not going to get massive pushback. But this is nonsense. It it is absolute nonsense. It
1: should also be said that I think Oprah has bought some billboards in Louisville in reference to the, um, who's the young lady that got shot? Brianna Brianna uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She, She bought some billboards in that. And I think the question is, why? Why would you get? Why would you involve yourself on on both fronts? Whether it's trying to get people to 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 believe that their whiteness is an automatic advantage, um, getting you know putting yourself in the, in the midst of black people, really to kind of stir yeah. strife and division, mm-hmm. because ultimately with two, I think she was valued at almost two point something billion dollars. There's a lot of positive work that you could do in effect. To show black children, oh, in particular, how you got where you are. Here are the things that I did with my life, or how about a mentoring? Pro- I, you know, I'm not trying to get all in a business. I'm just simply saying there are things that that blacks who have reached a certain level of success could do to reach back, mm-hmm. like you say, over the wall. Yeah. Let me reach over the wall and see if I can pull you up here to join me. Yeah. But instead, I'm on that other side of the wall saying what?
0: Yeah, that's a wall.
1: There's a, there's a bunch of no. You can't do it (laughs) because I'm telling you, those racists—they're gonna shoot you as soon as you try to cross over.
0: What is it? Bob Woodson says uh, the founder of the Woodson Center. Bob Woodson, civil rights uh, veteran, a man who has done tremendous work in the black community. Bob Woodson says there are two classes of 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 Americans that he is tired of, (laughs) and he said that is self-flagellating white people and angry rich blacks. Talk about it. He is he is tired of it because once again. Do not lecture me hmm. about this massive wall, this massive wall of white privilege, and you're on the other side of that wall.
1: Absolutely. Enjoying your parties, hanging out,
0: I'm, I'm doing sorry. your thing. <laughs> your your pictures, talking your profiles, and you're talking about <laughs> and you're talking about this wall, this, this impediment to my forward mobility, my upward mobility and my forward progress as a black person. I don't want to hear about it. What I want to hear from you are only the stories of how you got over the wall. Absolutely. What are the values? Absolutely. What are the principles? What are the things that you employed to get where you are? Mm-hmm. And, and don't tell me because, once again, both of them, like you said, have, have done well for themselves. But once again, we're talking about a woman who is a billionaire. We're talking about also, we're, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about influence. Absolutely. We're talking about power. We're talking about the yeah. who's who in the world come to sit down and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and there are connections I'm pretty sure none of us are aware of that are made at that level <laughs> of socialization. Sure. Right. And so I, I just <sighs> miss me with all of that. That is that is a, a horrible use of time, talent, energy, and intellect. <laughs> that that type of message. Is a waste.
1: It it harms it, it it harms black people in so many ways, especially those who who sit back and they'll say, "Oh, Oprah is is right." I mean, they have an advantage, yeah. and, and we teach our our kids this by virtue of, of letting them watch p- things like this, and and they too believe yeah. that you know, little Johnny over there has an advantage because he's white. You don't know oh, anything yeah. about Johnny's you life. You don't
0: know anything about he me. could
1: go home to the most hellish house on earth. No, you have nothing no about idea, it. but the assumption now is because you're. Because you happen to be white, as though you were up in heaven, just you know, giving God all all of your characteristics that you chose, (laughs) but you happen to hit this planet of a of a different hue, and you get an advantage. But see, that's equality.
0: That's thinking equal. To to sit back and and not assume that you know the advantages that somebody of another race has. Don't know because we don't know that. That's the problem with the, the division. That, that not only has there been a division that has separated us in many ways, but it has made us ignorant to each other's reality. So we make these assumptions, that how do you know that the white family is the, the syntax and the connections there are what they may they appear to be. How do you know the community is as tight as it may appear to be? How do you know the levels of jealousy, envy, competition, strife? And it, how, I mean, mm. you, people, we don't know. You we don't make know. assumptions because we're looking at cars and houses and incomes, mm-hmm. price tags on things. And we're judging everything by what we want.
1: <laughs> really? Let's, let's just
0: be honest about
1: it. What we value as good and acceptable. Yeah, exactly. And, and so
0: a measure of envy is really the foundation of, the, of all of the talk and all of the language and the logic. Yes, sir. Right. It's what's powering the conversation. Yes, sir. And so at the end of the day, we have to check ourselves on these things because this type of conversation, it's, it's losing a tremendous opportunity. And it seems as though blacks of of rank and status are not going to muster the courage to really have the conversation they need to have. Now I know there's a lot of them out there. There are a lot of other others that that I follow that I that I love, respect, and admire who are having these honest conversations. But those in the media, those that are in, in celebrities, those immediate, the media, the media elite, and political elite. Oh yeah. They're not going to have the conversations. They're going to keep walking down this endless stupid path it's talking a road about white to privilege. nowhere. It is. it is a
1: road to nowhere
0: it is and I just thought it was it was just such a waste because here we are uh talking about these things and we could have used that opportunity and that's why you know when you say uncomfortable conversations with a black man I'm like oh okay we're gonna sit down and talk but it's a confessional <laughs> And are you going to invite on your uncomfortable conversation stage someone with an opposing view who will not stand there with their hands up in the air, but who will say, no, wait a minute. Let me fire some back at you. Right. Right. Whether they be white or black. Mm-hmm. Right. And start to talk about the things that really are plaguing the black community.
1: But I, I want to kind of use that to, to segue to Shelby Stills book you know the content of our, of our character because yeah. this is one of the things that he talks about this idea that that black people if we're not careful we suffer from this idea of inversion where we took what was negative which was our blackness as it pertained to white people and we inverted it to be positive and good so all things black mm-hmm. and that's where we get into all of this collectivist ideology right that we all have to believe the same way and then we get leaders who can speak for all of us as opposed to any of us being allowed to speak our own minds that. Um, and stand where we would like to stand and he says the price blacks pay for inversion for placing too much of the blame for our problems on society is helplessness before those problems inversion also hurts our development in another way if the memory of the enemy leads to inversion helped along by subjective correlatives Correlatives. It is also true that inversion requires us to remember the enemy, mm-hmm. right? You never lose sight of white people being the yeah. problem that never goes away. With inversion, we need a knowledge of uh, of our former oppressor's worst view of us in order to carry out the work of self-definition, a process that requires us to remember the enemy at his worst in order to know ourselves at our best. In this way, inversion born of the memory of our enemy also demands that we remember him more, thus completing a self-perpetuating cycle of obsessive and painful memory. We Mm -hmm. just go, and that's what we just said, right? That we keep going around the mountain. But anyway, let me me fast forward. And I thought this was interesting because this goes to Oprah, to uh, Emmanuel Acho. Even among middle-class blacks who function well in the mainstream, when the time comes to declare one's identity, To announce one's blackness, there is invariably a denial of black opportunity. Mm. Interesting. How are you denying black opportunity when you're living pretty good? So this is the denial that brings one securely back inside the circle of blackness. That quite literally lets one feel black. To point to, to opportunity is to stand outside this circle, to be less black. Inversion is a reunion with the enemy, in which we once again define ourselves as his victim. This whole book is good, okay? And like uh, you need to the pick that say up.
0: Amen. <laughs> because you can't. But I mean, you can't improve on that because that encapsulates it.
1: It's all perfectly. about create keeping us yeah. under the foot and making white people the aggressor, the dominator, the you know it's just it's no good like i said it's a road it's a fruitless conversation because really in this day and age what we need to talk about is personal development and that's what we need to talk responsibility. about and responsibility yeah
0: and and like you said though in all of that though it's still it's a play for power
1: right? oh yes it's a no play about to, no to, to to
0: be the the victim is a play for power yeah for moral authority in the in the uh relationship between blacks and whites and as long as that is there, we're going to keep, as he said, going around and around and around the circle. And it's like the children of Israel consistently yeah. going around the mountain and never arriving at the promised land of equality, true equality, Mm-mm. true oneness, true unity and moving forward. Man, listen, we, man, we, we talked longer than we wanted to talk. <laughs> we went a little long. But yeah. at the end of the day, these are conversations that have to be had. And like I said, we invite you to the table. Please make sure to like. Subscribe, share your comments, share your perspective in the comment section below. We'd love to hear from you about what you think about some of the topics that we've talked about on this particular podcast. We're going to keep bringing these to you here on Culture and Convictions uh, TV because we believe it's important for us to come out of hiding with these conversations. There are so many people who think this way, but they're afraid to say it. And then there are others out there who are just running at the mouth and they're saying stuff that really needs to be vetted. We cannot afford to keep sitting around allowing conversations under the guise of being these progressive and wonderful conversations, (laughs) go forth without us truly vetting whether these ideas are destructive or whether they are constructive. And so that's what we're about the business of doing here at Culture and Convictions. We thank you guys for tuning in. Remember to make sure to follow us on all of our audio platforms, whether you're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook instagram and twitter we would love to hear from you so until next time god bless